there. I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 90. And today I'd like to tell you about our recent homeschool registration visit. Yes, our authorized person from the education department came out to visit us maybe two or three weeks ago. And we did get our registration approved for another two years. So I want to share some details of that visit. Also, I had an idea that came out of that visit. It's all to do with Evernote and keeping not only homeschool records, but family journals and personal diaries. I want to tell you a little bit more about that idea. But this episode is not going to be just about homeschool record keeping. I'm sure that other things will pop into my conversation as well. Well, to start with, I'm quite surprised that I'm sitting here doing episode 90. Yes, it's been a long time since episode 89, and I began to think that there would never be an episode 90. Time to move on and do something else. Now, if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast or reader of my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, you will know that I get to the point quite frequently of saying, is it time to move on? Maybe you have got fed up with hearing of these words. Maybe you think I'm a little bit uh, flaky, you know, can't keep at one thing for too long. Well, I was thinking the same thing as well. And then... On a recent blog post, somebody left a comment saying, I bet you are an INFJ in the Myers-Briggs personality tests. That comment got me curious, because I haven't really paid much attention to personality types. I don't know if Myers-Briggs is actually accurate. Perhaps it's just a lot of nonsense. Anyway, I was curious, so I did some Googling. And I did read the profile for an INFJ. I must admit that at the beginning, before I started reading all the details, yes, I was dubious, especially because in the introduction they say that less than 1% of the population is this personality type. And how often do we belong to less than 1% of the, of the population? Not very many times at all. Why should I belong to this small group? Isn't it more likely that I am average and that most people are like me? But I kept reading and I was quite surprised to see how many things do match up to who I am. I did a lot of thinking about this, a lot of reading on blog posts and yeah, I went all over the internet thinking about personality types and who am I? Is it beneficial to know more about who we are, what type of people we are? And I think it is. Because when we know who we are, we understand why we do things. We understand why certain situations make us feel certain ways. Now, I have known for a long time that I am an introvert. Most of my family is. And it is beneficial to know that we are introverts because then we can avoid situations where we feel out of our depth, like big, noisy parties. And we have learnt to filter the invitations, to say to people, 
yes, we can come along, but we'll need to leave early or we will avoid certain situations altogether. Because we know that big parties don't suit us as introverts. They drain us of our energy. But we do know what we do enjoy and we go looking to have small dinner parties, for example, with our friends. We're looking for opportunities for deep conversation. So, being an introvert, it is beneficial to know that that's who I am. But the other parts of the INFJ personality, do I match up to any of those? And if I do, is it valuable knowing these sort of things? Well, I won't go into all the details because you might belong to a different sort of personality. You might not relate to who I am particularly, but I just want to illustrate the point. Now, I've heard that INFJs are perfectionists. And I thought about this for a long time, and I think that this is true of myself. It's why I don't write as many blog posts as I could. I have hundreds and hundreds of ideas for writing blog posts. And I've got notebooks full of scrolls, scribbles, that um, could be made into blog posts. I have actually got a big draft file where I have tried to turn some of those ideas into reasonable articles. But the problem is that I'm never satisfied. I can't get the words down exactly how I'd like. And so I give up. Also, my ideas are too complex sometimes. I find it hard to disentangle all the different strains of thought that I'm having and distill it down into simple blog posts. And because I can't do that very well, I think to myself, oh, look, I won't bother because I'm not very good at just sitting down, putting my thoughts straight down and hitting publish. That doesn't seem good enough for me. I want things to be a whole lot more polished than that. I once had this big idea that I could have a blog called The Raw Files, where I just jot down my raw thoughts, and then later on, maybe I could turn them into blog posts. Well, it didn't work out, because every time I jotted down my raw thoughts, I wasn't happy with it. I wanted to polish them up straight away before I hit publish. And so that blog post went by the wayside. So yes, I find it difficult just to share what's in my head as it is without making it into something that I'm really, really happy with. And even when I do hit publish and I go back to look at posts in the past and I read them and I think to myself, oh, I could have written that a lot better and I get dissatisfied and then I find myself sitting there changing a word here or there and then updating. It's all a tremendous nuisance because I'm sure people are a lot more accepting than I give them credit for. I want to give a good product, but I'm sure that some product is better than no product because I just won't hit publish. INFJs always need to have a cause, and that is totally true. It's why I keep blogging and podcasting and making videos about unschooling. I really want to get the message out there about unschooling. And so, yes, this is my cause. But having a cause isn't enough because, as you know, I keep saying, perhaps I've said everything. I need a new way to tell the story. But what I really think it is, is the third point that I came across. INFJs can burn out easily. 
they are likely to exhaust themselves at frequent intervals unless they look after themselves. And that's just what I do. I put everything in, try to do too much, and then find myself hating what I'm doing because I feel I have no, no more to give. I want to go away and do something else. And I've had a period like that recently. I went away. I decided that maybe I would go and watch the last series of Downton Abbey, read some books, do some embroidery, just sit and do nothing. Of course, after a short period of doing these types of things, I suddenly start to feel unsatisfied. I need my cause back again. And so it goes around and around in circles. And here I am, back, recording episode 90 and wanting to share some things that have happened in our family since episode 89. While I was having my quiet period, I did some googling on subjects connected with INFJs, and my research went all over the place. I looked at giftedness, for example. I've been reading Lucinda Leo's blog, Laugh, Love, Learn. I hope I got those words in the right order. Lucinda writes about over-excitabilities. And, as I've told her many times, I don't think my children have over-excitabilities. But I started thinking more about the personalities of my children. And I do think a couple in particular are highly sensitive. And some of the things that Lucinda talks about do apply to those children. Also, she writes about giftedness because she is a gifted person with gifted children. Now, giftedness is something like being an IFNJ. I say to myself, well, why should my children be gifted? Why should I be gifted? Why should I think that I belong to that exclusive club? And does it really matter if we have the label giftedness? Surely, if everybody is unschooling and developing and using their talents, Everybody will be gifted in some way, because everybody does have talents. Everybody is a unique person. And so I've closed my mind to the thought of giftedness. Surely giftedness is just a way of making some people feel that they are better than other people. And the people that aren't gifted, surely they feel that they are not as good as those people. Well, I have changed my mind about that, and though I am still reluctant to adopt the label giftedness because I don't want people to think that we think that we are better than everybody else. I can see that certain people do have extraordinary talents in certain areas. But do I? Do my children? I don't know and I don't think that we are going to be tested. I don't think that that's the direction our family is going. I did ask my daughter Imogen if she thought she was gifted and she said, Mum, I have no idea. I've never been to school. I don't know what everybody else is like. I have no idea of other people's standards. All I know is who I am and what I know. I'm me. And she's that way because she has been unschooling, that she has been allowed to be herself and develop those talents, as I said earlier. I asked her if she thought there was any value in knowing if she was gifted or not. And she said yes. If she was thought to be gifted, it might explain why she feels different from everybody else around her. 
Knowing that she is gifted is better than thinking that there is something the matter with her. Why is she different from everybody else? Surely there's something wrong with her. We chatted a little bit about being different, about not having people to talk to, about the things that interest us. They don't really want to know. And if we do talk about things that we've been thinking about, Imogen says that people just don't get it. And I understand what she's saying. I've watched people's eyes glaze over as I've been talking about something. They don't understand why I am so passionate about certain things. They can't follow the conversation because they're just not interested. Their minds don't work like mine. To be quite honest, I have very few friends, and so do my girls. We know a lot of people, but there are, we have very few kindred spirit friends. We're different. Are we different because we're gifted? Is it just unschooling? As I said, I don't know. I used to be the kind of child that was top of her class all the time. I set off on my school career being known as very, very clever. I always won the Gold Star Award every week. That early promise was never fulfilled. And I have been thinking about why that is. Was I just a flash in the pan? Didn't I have what it takes to go the whole distance? Did I lose that early spark? And if I lost it, how did I lose it? I think a lot of it is to do with the fact I lost my love of learning. I had to fulfill other people's expectations. They put a big burden upon me. I remember in primary school thinking to myself, I wish I was ordinary like all my other friends. All I want to do is play and not have to think about achieving high scores and having to present my books to my parents and my teachers. And I used to spend a lot of time rubbing out scrawlings in my books and rewriting things so they look good so that people around me would be satisfied with me. They set the bar very high. Once I did a maths test and I got 95%, and I was really thrilled about this. And I expected everybody to be really happy with me. But when I presented the results, I was asked, what happened to the other 5%? My 95% wasn't good enough. And I can understand why people said that. There's this attitude that we have to keep pushing our children forward, never being satisfied with what they've achieved, because perhaps if we're satisfied, Children will stop reaching for the stars. They will, they will just stay there. They will just say, well, I've done enough. People are happy with me. This is where I'm going to rest. Whereas if we keep on pushing them forward, who knows what they will achieve? Well, that's the theory, I think. But what actually happens, or what happened to me, was that I gave up. I thought I'll never be good enough. Whatever I do, nobody will be happy with my result. And so, yes, I didn't achieve more. I didn't push for the stars. Um, somewhere along the way, I lost my spark for learning and for achieving. Oh, I did okay. I got a Bachelor of Science degree, an honours degree, 
I was above average, I guess. I don't suppose everybody does that, but I wasn't gifted, wasn't labelled gifted as such. I didn't graduate at the top of my class. I didn't have people say, well, you've done wonderfully. I think maybe they were just relieved that I'd scraped through. What have I learnt from all this? Well, I think it's important to encourage our kids along the way. We don't have to push them so far that they will give up. We have to appreciate who they are right now and what they're achieving right now. Keep their love of learning alive, whatever it happens to be of. I was pushed towards science. I didn't like science. It's probably half the reason why I didn't do as well as I could have done because I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't go looking for extra things to read. I didn't strive for it on my own. Now I'm sure I could say a lot more about that because I've been thinking a lot about it, but I haven't even got any notes today, and I'm sure that I've left out a lot of the thoughts that have been rolling round my head. But maybe there's a blog post or two there, if I can get it all down on paper, if I'm prepared not to be a perfectionist. But one funny thing that did happen, because I was thinking about giftedness and I began to think, perhaps I'm cleverer than I think I am. Perhaps I'm not quite as average as I have been led to believe by previous results, by people's comments from the past. Perhaps I have achieved a lot. Perhaps I am not as big a disappointment as other people have led me to feel. Because yes, I don't feel that I have achieved as much as I could have done. That early promise, as I said, didn't come to anything. And I got curious one day and I thought, I bet I could do an IQ test online. So I did. I googled IQ tests, free ones, and I did one. And I tell you, I didn't even put my right name in it. I changed my gender to male because I was afraid. I was afraid that I wasn't clever at all that everybody was bright. I was afraid that if I did the IQ test and it came out as average or below average, I would be very, very disappointed. So I did the test as a male. I'm not sure I put my exact birth date in properly. I answered the questions. The results, what were the results? Well, apparently I'm a genius. I went back and did the whole test again, putting in my correct gender and my correct birth date just in case those affected the outcome. Perhaps older people are given a little bit of leeway because of their age, for example. But no, the test came out exactly the same with my proper details in there. I told Sophie, my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, that I'd done an IQ test online and I am a genius. And she laughed. And I said to her, well, look, I know it's only a free IQ test, and we shouldn't put our faith in free IQ tests. It doesn't really uh, tell the whole story. Yes, I'm sure if I did a proper IQ test, maybe the, the results wouldn't have come out so high. And she said, Mom, I'm not laughing, because I think that a free online IQ test is stupid. I'm laughing because I already knew you are clever. You didn't need to do an IQ test for me to know that. And I thought that was rather nice, that sometimes people can see us better than we see ourselves, that our view is 
affected by what we've been told in the past, especially growing up. Now, I still don't believe a free online IQ test is the whole story. Yes, I think that there is more to it than that, and I am probably not a genius. But that's okay. I did a test. I did better than I thought. I'm now thinking of myself in a different way. I feel that I could be capable of a whole lot of things that previously I just put to one side and said, well, I don't think I could do that. Things such as learning higher maths, learning a language properly. I don't know, the, my horizons have opened up. I'm no longer thinking, I can't tackle that. I'm thinking, I want to get my teeth into something challenging, see if I can do it. I'm no longer afraid to try. So I hope some of this conversation is useful as far as unschooling our own children goes. As I said, I need to pick out all the points, write them down properly, put it into a proper blog post, maybe. So summing up, am I gifted? Are my children gifted? Who knows? I don't know at all. But what I do know is that what we tell ourselves can be influenced by what other people tell us and we should be very careful with our own children and I'm going to leave it at that but if you know more about giftedness than I do my knowledge is very very tiny I would love you to share it with me share your own ideas share your ideas about how we can encourage our kids do you have Experiences in your past that have discouraged you, have stopped you from striving ahead, have made you feel that you are a disappointment. And if you haven't, if you have always gone out there and accepted challenges and achieved at high standards, why did you do that? Was there somebody in your past that did encourage you? I would love to continue this discussion. So please stop by my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family if you would like to make some comments on this topic. I have spoken a lot about giftedness, which I didn't expect to because I thought I just mentioned that in five minutes. This is the problem of not having any notes. I didn't sort of plan everything out properly and say, well, I'll allocate so many minutes to that topic so many minutes to this one. But, yes, time to move on. Time to talk about our homeschool registration visit. Now, it had been two years since our last visit. Yes, an authorised person from the education department comes out to see us every two years. And if she approves of what we've been doing and what we plan to do, she renews our registration. She registers my children as homeschoolers, official homeschoolers in the state of New South Wales, Australia. Now, our state regulations are rather strict. Our children are supposed to follow the school syllabus. And we have to provide evidence that they are. And this can be quite tricky for unschoolers. How can I let my children follow their passions and learn from life if they have to learn everything that's in the school syllabus? Well, I have found a way. We juggle things around a bit. They learn from their passions and their interests. They learn from life. And I try and match that up with the school syllabus. I also go looking through the school syllabus for things 
that I could strew in front of my girls. I had spoken about this before. Yes, everything in the school syllabus may sound boring and uninteresting as it's written in the document, because it's a schooly document. Our minds might close to what's in it. Surely we don't want our children learning what the school kids are learning. We've all been through that ourselves as schoolers. Um, we didn't actually come out the other end with a big love of learning. So there might be a danger of teaching our kids everything that's in the school syllabus. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But I have come to the conclusion that the school syllabus is actually full of amazing things. It's just written down with dry words. But the actual content can be wonderful if we find the right resources, the right way to tempt our kids to learn it. Just because people have decided that they want a certain piece of knowledge to be in their syllabus doesn't make the original piece of content boring. Of course, the way they learn it in schools might be boring, but that's not the way unschoolers learn. So, for example, I saw that space was one of the topics in the syllabus for Gemma Rose's age. So I did a bit of Googling. I found some fantastic videos on YouTube and books and other things. And not just on um, what is a planet and all the different uh, characteristics of the planets and distances and temperatures and all that sort of thing. But I went looking for different angles into the subject. We found a nice video about what it's like to live in space on the space station. We watched a great documentary, a BBC one, about travelling in the future from planet to planet. It was made as if it was a real-life uh, documentary, but actually it was fiction. They just made it in that style to capture our imaginations. We followed the adventures of the crew as they set out from Earth and then travelled through the solar system. I could get sidetracked at this point explaining how we can unschool and still satisfy homeschool registration requirements. And that's not what I want to do today because, I, yes, I have spoken about it a number of times and written a number of blog posts. And maybe I can add some links to the show notes if that is the aspect of um, the homeschool registration visit that you are particularly interested in. So back to the visit itself. Our AP came through the door. We've seen her a number of times, and it was wonderful. She gave me a hug as she came through the door and said, I'm really glad to see you again. I thought, wow, this is a wonderful start to our visit. We hear so many negative stories about registration visits and APs who crack the whip and don't sound very supportive of homeschooling. And this is certainly not the case with all APs. My AP is wonderful, very supportive. She's always interested in what my girls are doing. She tries to help and encourage us as much as she can while staying within the system. She sat down at our kitchen table and I put my computer in front of her and I said to her, we're still keeping Evernote records. She saw my Evernote records two years ago and was very impressed. And I made a podcast about that registration visit and her reaction. And I'll put the link in the show notes because you might like to go back and listen to that one rather than me repeat everything again. 
RAP started scrolling through our notebooks and I had made thousands of notes. She found an, a link to a video of Sophie's. Sophie, who's 15, has her own YouTube channel. She's experimented with all sorts of things. She's made videos about photography and videography. At the moment, she is talking about exercise, which is one of her big passions. The link was to an exercise video, and the AP said, Could I watch that? So I went over to YouTube, followed the link, and she watched part of that video. Sophie was talking about how she motivates herself to exercise, and it's a lot to do with planning ahead, and that impressed the AP. And then I told the AP that Sophie makes lots of videos. She makes Imogen's music videos. She films them, and she helps Imogen edit them, and they get them up there on YouTube, on Imogen's YouTube channel. So, of course, the AP wanted to watch one of those as well, especially when I told her that the girls, the younger girls, the ones that are registered homeschoolers, were in a few of them. So we found Wild Child. That's one where Imogen Charlotte, Sophie and Gemma Rose all sang together. She really enjoyed the, the video. And then I directed the AP in the direction of some notes about their passion of writing. Now, my daughter Imogen, who is a musician on YouTube, is also a writer. She has a degree in professional writing and publishing. And she has been sharing her writing skills with Sophie and Gemma Rose. They have writers' circle meetings every week, working on their writings together. And so I showed our AP these notes. And we talked more about their passions and what they wanted to do, and I told her that I'd had lots of notes about such things that just pop up in our lives, things that catch our attention in our everyday lives. We might see a sign about something and want to go and Google it, find out more. Things like Anzac Day come along and we decide that we want to read a book or find out a bit more about Anzac Day. We're involved in lots of different liturgical activities for our church according to the time of year. They're all learning experiences. Something happens in our lives, like having a bushfire. And that provides a lot of learning experiences and notes as well. And going back to the topic of the school syllabus, I did show the AP my strewing notebook. As I said, I go through the syllabus every now and then. I look for resources that might make those topics interesting for my girls. I put the links and the book covers and all sorts of other information into a special Evernote notebook called my strewing notebook or my planning notebook, or it's really my unplanning notebook because these things I don't force upon my girls, but they browse through them looking for things that might interest them. And because I had looked at the school syllabus and because I had made that list of resources, my AP knows that I am aware that to fulfill the homeschool registration requirements, my girls are supposed to learn what's in the school syllabus. She knows I've considered that. Anyway, we got through our registration visit, no problems whatsoever. And as our AP was leaving, we are standing on the doorstep chatting away, she said to me, isn't that amazing, she said, that everybody out here, and she waved her arm down the street at all the other houses, they have no idea what's going on behind your closed doors. They have no idea that your girls are having such a fantastic education, that they're doing such amazing things, 
that they're making videos and they're on YouTube and they're writing and maybe one day they'll have published books. They have no idea. I thought that was a wonderful thing to end our registration visit with. I quite often think about that people do have no idea what's going on within our family, unless, of course, like you, you're listening to my podcasts or maybe watching a video or reading my blog. Most of my friends have no idea what we're doing. My friends in real life or the people at our parish have no idea what we do. They don't ask. We don't have the opportunity to tell them. Here's a funny thought. We have a secret identity. Now, on to my last thing that I want to talk about, and that is my Evernote workshop. This idea came to me after we had our registration visit. I was looking back through our notebooks at all those thousands of notes, as I said, and I thought to myself, look, the AP didn't look at a fraction of them. Was it a waste of time making all those notes? Well, that's debatable as far as homeschool registration goes, because I think I could have got through the registration visit quite easily with only a small proportion of those notes but I'm still glad that I made all those notes because what I have done is put together a family journal for the last two years. I look back and I can see all the books that I have read with my girls, all the DVDs and videos on YouTube that we've watched together. I can remember all the conversations that we've had, the interesting ones, all the things that we discovered by Googling, all the interesting facts and figures, there's links to all Imogen's music videos and Sophie's as well. There's scans of Gemma Rose's artworks, all her dragon pictures. They're all captured in my Evernote notebooks. There's a whole lot more, but as I said, I haven't got a list in front of me, but I think you get the idea. Now it's time to create new notebooks for the next two years. And I've been pondering what I'm going to put into those notebooks. Will we carry on the same as we have been going for the last few years? Or can I make our notebooks even better? And I especially would like to make them even better from the point of view of turning them into family journals. Are there other things I could add to the notebooks? Can I make them more attractive? Can I think more about fonts? and maybe put coloured backgrounds to my Evernote notes. Now, coloured backgrounds aren't an option. You can't do it unless you do a bit of fiddling around. It's not one of the things that's offered. But I did some Googling, and I have found out that it is possible. And after a lot of experimenting, I did actually find out how to make coloured backgrounds for Evernote notes. I can make coloured backgrounds of any colour, whatsoever because it's a very simple process now I've worked it out. I think coloured backgrounds would be lovely behind photos or for maybe a personal journal. Now I used to write a personal journal. I kept one for about nine years straight and then for some reason last October, November time I stopped writing it. I think maybe the problem was I switched from Evernote 
to a paper version. I thought it would be easier just to carry a paper book around with me. And people had given me a lot of beautiful journals that were just waiting to be filled. Well, I wrote in my paper journal maybe for a month. And then I stopped. And I rather regret this because I have a few months of my life that I haven't got memories for. They're all in my head, but I forget things so easily. And I do love looking back through my personal diaries. And I'm thinking about resurrecting my Evernote personal journal. So this is what I want to do for the next period of registration. I want to continue putting together homeschool journals, homeschool notebooks. I wanted those notebooks to double as a family journal so that they capture all the wonderful moments of our unschooling lives so that we can look back and think, wow, I'm so glad we have this document. This is a treasured document. I also want to have a section for my personal diary. But not only do I want to do all that for myself, I want to share what I found out about Evernote with you, with anybody that also has to keep homeschool records. For people who are wondering how we can unschool and still produce a record-keeping document that will satisfy the education department. But I'd also like to have something in my workshop that would interest people who don't have strict homeschool registration requirements, for people who don't even have to keep homeschool records. Maybe if you're one of those people, you would just like to keep a family journal, an attractive document that you can look back on. And Evernote is a very easy way to put together journals. Maybe a three-in-one journal for homeschool, family, and personal journal. So I've got loads and loads of ideas, such as how we can export our journals, how we can turn them into paper journals, as I said, how we can have colored backgrounds, how we can merge notes, how we can nest tags so that our tagging system doesn't get into such a big mess. I want to talk about the different versions of Evernote, how we can view them, which one will suit our needs. Lots and lots of different things that I could talk about in videos or write about in blog posts. I guess the underlying thing is that I want to share everything that I have learnt, but I don't want to tell you what you should do. I just want to present some possibilities. Maybe we could discuss things, find out what suits each of our families the most. And then I would like you to share with me, because I'm sure that I don't know it all that you might have other ideas that I haven't yet stumbled across. And somebody did share an idea with me the other day on Facebook. They showed me how they were using internal hyperlinks. This is something I hadn't considered before. So I'm sure I still have a lot to learn. So I'm wondering, are you interested in putting together some journals, not some boring homeschool records, but some interesting journals that will satisfy the education department, but more importantly, will capture your amazing unschooling life, as well as your personal memories, your personal ideas and thoughts. I hope you are interested, because I'm really excited about this. I hope you're excited as well. Now I have written my first introductory blog post, on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, I have made an introductory video, which is on my YouTube channel, 
Sue Elvis. And I've also posted a few things on my Facebook page, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I think that page might be a good place where we can share screenshots and other information where we can chat about what we're doing in our own journals. So if you have never used Evernote, I invite you to go over to evernote.com and take a look. Maybe download the program onto your desktop. Have a look at some videos, play around, see whether you like it. You can do all that for free. You don't have to make a big commitment. If you do like Evernote, you might like to sign up for one of their paid plans. If you are already keeping Evernote notebooks, I hope you'll still join me because, as I said, we might be able to make our notebooks even better than they are rather than just continue doing the same things that we have been doing. So that's my big idea. Now all I have to do is get on and make some screencast tutorials, write some blog posts, and I am sure I'm going to do that because I'm feeling inspired, I'm feeling excited. I think I'm going to be around for a while before I need to have another break. So I am coming to the end of episode 90. Will there be an episode 91? Well, I really hope there will. I also hope I still have some listeners. Yeah, just disappearing for a while. People get fed up of you. I subscribe to a number of podcasts, and when I don't have a new episode to listen to, I am disappointed. I begin to wonder whether this person is ever going to produce another one. Should I just unsubscribe, go looking for some other podcasts to listen to instead? Well, I hope you are still hanging around. I hope that you understand. So I'm going to put some show notes about this episode on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I invite you to come along and have a look at those show notes. I also would love you to stop by, tell me whether you're interested in my Evernote workshop, share your thoughts on anything that I have talked about today, especially giftedness and personality traits. And if you would like to continue the conversation on anything else, please do. I always love hearing from you. I guess all I need to do now is say thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for your patience between episodes. I hope that you have a wonderful unschooling week with your own families. And until next time, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.